All right. Well, guys, let's get into it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Creative Grab Coffee. Today, we welcome our next guest from the UK, Jake from BTV. Welcome, Jake. Welcome. How are you guys? You well? Doing all right. It's like, what, three o'clock uh, your time? Yeah, two in the afternoon at the moment. Yes. Yeah, so where is it's creative to grab coffee for you guys? Obviously, I'm in the UK, so I have tea. Just before you move on to, to the beer in the evening, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> There's about a two p- 3 p.m. cutoff for that, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh three, 3 p.m. is the cutoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, before we kind of like jump into the conversation a little bit, Jake, give us a little give us a little background on who you are and who BTV is. Yeah, okay, no worries at all. So yeah, hello, my name is Jake Barrett, um, and I've been working in the world of film, TV for about twelve years now. Um, I studied film and television, um, and then went straight into essentially the work straight after that. So I had the decision of whether to choose to go to university or whatever I decided I wanted to do. And um, but I'd met so many people during my you know time studying film that I thought actually I'm just going to get straight stuck into it essentially so um, went straight into work experience did a year and a half of just doing work for free and just grafting for as many people as possible um, and did a few nice tv shows over here so um, a couple of documentaries for channel four over here um, as well as a show called the gadget show which is quite a well-known show over here I'm not sure if you guys have have heard or have that over there Um, but essentially did that and then very quickly got into the world of advertising and commercials so it's a much more approachable much easier in in the industry I suppose um, rather than working in broadcast etc so I've owned production companies I've then worked in-house at agencies as head of film managing their clients um, and have you know seen various roles of course over my career but essentially I'm now at a position where my strength is as a producer um, and I set up BTV back three years ago now so about two weeks before our first lockdown for COVID which um, was an interesting time to start a business as I'm sure you could imagine um, but you know we we continue to grow and we've we've had some fantastic relationships with some some of the marketing agencies that we work with um, you know who we've got good relationships with as an approved film partner um, and one of the first clients that we managed to secure was TikTok. So back in the day, this we had we had an inquiry come through for this new social media platform called the TikTok, and we're literally sitting here going, "All right, okay, what's this all about?" Um, but essentially, <laughs> yeah. So they um, we ended up doing I think it was about three hundred and sixty-five films for them through twenty twenty. Um, and these were all their ads that they were then putting out on Snapchat and Facebook, Instagram, trying to convert people essentially to, to this ever growing new beast, which is of course now TikTok. So, um, that was really sort of the start of, of the work that we were doing here at BTV. Um, and then through the last two and a half years, we've just grown really from there from strength to strength. So there's, there's four of us internally as a team and as a unit, um, and we are mainly producers, and that's why we said that we're a producer-led video production team. Um, and by that, we've got we've got a slogan called the bigger picture. And what that means is that you've got the end piece, you've got the end video that you produce, you know, and that's all good. But the amount of times that we speak to clients who say to us, "Oh, it, it, it was good, yeah," but the process of getting there was just an absolute nightmare. And and that's what we're here to challenge. Um, it's looking at all of those things around production that could go wrong that we make sure don't go wrong um, and that's why we call that the bigger picture of looking around that end you know that end piece um, that we're producing and that's the focus of our business so 
there's the four of us who manage that day to day. And then we've got around about 150 freelance professionals who we pull in and build the right teams for the right projects. So everything from directors through to runners and, and everything in between. Um, and essentially, yeah, that's that's who we are as, as BTV. And I'm sure we'll get into a bit of the work a little bit later on. But that's a bit of an overview anyway for you. That covers a lot of uh, that's a lot of the landscape for us. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave then. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the shortest episode ever. I had like a few questions, and then as you kind of were going on, there, I feel like a lot of them were answered right there. I'm like, all right, you only started it three three years ago. How has it already gotten to this point? And then when you said that you rode the coattail of the TikTok growth, I'm like, oh, okay, that explains a lot, <laughs> a lot of it right there. How much of an eye roll did you do when they're like, yeah, we want to shoot the a lot of this, like all this content in nine by sixteen? You're like, ugh. Coming from film and TV, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> There's a lot of challenges around that, um, of course. And, um, yeah, we were finding that it was it was interesting to try and learn how to adapt to film because, of course, the, the thing is is that they also wanted the assets to be used in 16.9, 9.16, um, obviously iPad formats as well. So we literally going, we've got to shoot it all this wide. There's no depth of field now in the shots whatsoever. It's all flat. Um, and essentially that's, we've, so ended, we ended up shooting it all from two camera angles in the end. So we'd, we'd have the same creative, but we'd literally have two cameras married up next to each other so that at least we could get some shed of quality out of the assets that we were trying to produce. <laughs> oh, so it's kind of like the hot, like, uh, like what happened with Peter Jackson and the Hobbit where he had like two reds right next to each other, except you had one camera reversed for the vertical format yeah, right exactly yes <laughs> wait he had, why did he have two cameras oh it's because he was doing two uh he was doing 3d so he had it with like two reds kind of like like one was like filming this way one was up here on a mirror filming sideways oh, okay. it was a it was oh, a very weird setup but yeah um anyways, 3D, like, that kind of just went away eh? oh Can't yeah like, that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is 3D is now look it's it's like you're it's like it's in your home when in reality it is in your home now <laughs> with Netflix. <laughs> so but the other thing I was going to ask was like so basically uh, we can now attribute to the success of TikTok then to you guys is that correct? Well, maybe in the UK we've had something to do with the growth anyway. Um yeah, it's um it was it was really interesting. I think that I think that since TikTok, you know, not only with just my work, but actually as an industry as a whole, you know, the shift that we've seen in the type of work that people want to produce has changed dramatically since the likes of TikTok coming coming to form. So, you know, maybe it's not a great thing that I've been involved with that launch, and maybe sometimes it is. I'm not sure. But um, what would you say is uh, the change that you've noticed? So I think. If, you know, the, the the sort of general run of the projects that we do can can vary massively. So we'll have the run-of-the-mill day-to-day projects, which are, you know, corporate interviews, just shooting them as, as nicely as possible for people. Um, through to, we've currently got um, a TV commercial in the works for a large automotive brand, um, which is really exciting. Um, and that's us kind of relaunching this this brand into the UK. Um, so that's that's a positive and exciting one. And, and we're lucky to have a, a variety of projects there. But what we've kind of seen on the whole is that the industry over the last six months in the UK has been a real challenge. Um, you know, the, the, the average spend on TV and broadcast content is down about 67% on a whole compared to last year and then even more the year before that. Um, it's, there's been a real sort of difficult time for people and we're finding that that's because people are turning to 
this always on content. So it's this always on content where, you know, people would decide to, instead of spend, I don't know, 20, 30,000 pounds on one single piece of 30 second film, they're spending the same budget, but this time it's going over multiple assets. And actually that's got to expand them over a three month period. And these particular projects that they want to create, they're quick. They want them turned around fast. They want them to be on trends with things that are happening currently with either current affairs or certain topical things that are happening in the world. Um, and we're finding that we're having to, we, we're getting briefs, you know, with, with a far less lead time than we used to. And um, we're finding that we, the deadlines are so quick. So, you know, gone are the days of us having two months notice or something. We're now saying we need this on air in a, in a month, you know, and it's a large project. And you're thinking, okay, fine, we're going to have to move a lot quicker than normal. Um, so we're finding a lot more of that. But I think people's sort of appreciation of a lot of the qu the content that we produce isn't as high as it used to be. And I find that what we're finding is that, you know, people don't care if we say that we're shooting on reds and if we're going to get this in, we're going to use these toys and whatever. They're like, yeah, great, cool. Like, you know, how is that going to be better than me doing it on an iPhone? And actually that's the alternatives for them is that they're kind of having to value that difference. So, for example, you know, a restaurant they're not necessarily that interested in creating high-end content if they can go out with their iPhone, use a little gimbal and, and go and get some nice cocktail videos because at the end of the day, if that gets them conversion or interaction on their Instagram channels and therefore people are booking their you know, restaurants and sitting down in those seats, that's all they care about. So trying to justify the level of quality that we produce, I find is becoming more and more difficult. Um, you know, and I think that that's, that's been something that I think has really changed over the last two, three, four years. Now, whether that's TikTok and the likes of platforms like that, or whether it's because of the pandemic, I'm not sure. But, you know, there's something that's happened and there's been a real shift in the industry. I wonder if that's just because you need to constantly post on a lot of these social media apps so the budget just wouldn't be there if you have to do like a high-level production versus like something that's lower budget, but at least you can pump out more content because that's generally how these algorithms work, right? You constantly be posting content. Quantity has become like the currency almost in a way now in the industry because like, like before even TikTok, so much content was being thrown onto YouTube as it was. I forget what the statistic was, but it was like, it was like, it was like 100,000 hours are like uploaded every day onto YouTube or something like that, maybe even more. And then when TikTok came around, you're now even posting more and more and more bite-sized content. So to compete, you need to you need to have more that you can post on a more consistent basis. And because of that, I'm like wondering like how the perception of quality has now changed. Like back in the day, people would be like, "Oh, that 30 second ad or whatever was like really cool," you know, um, the great story, this and that. Whereas now it's like did you manage to tell the story in like 10 seconds and do you have like 10 versions of that? That is a quality piece then, right? So I feel like things have really shifted in that regard when it comes to um, producing like quantity content, which are changing the perception of quality at this point as well. I wonder if it's just an additional thing. Like you still need to create the high quality content, but now you also need to create uh, lower quality, but quantity content. It's not that it's lower quality, but it's like, different quality <laughs> it is lower quality i mean like social media content is not high quality content That's let's true. be honest here it's meant to be because even when they when you do get like the briefs from clients it's meant to be like hey, hey we can't make this look we've literally gotten some briefs where it's say don't make it look good which means make it look <laughs> like a like an influencer or a normal person shot it right 
shake shake the camera as much as you can <laughs> yeah like the, literally got that on briefs so because yeah they're not i mean you're asking a non-professional to create content it's not going to be good now you are right people definitely want more organic looking you know user generated content um a hundred percent and that is something that definitely yeah we're seeing with with the majority of briefs that we're getting for people in fact people don't want to be advertised to you know and you look at the minute that you're scrolling on your feeds and you see that something's an ad based video people just scroll past it basically you know and you know what my theory is on that though they don't want it to look like a good like an ad piece because they want you to get tricked by it because sometimes when i'm on reels i'll go and then sometimes it'll take me like five seconds to go oh wait a minute this is an ad and i'll skip it right have you on it long enough to go like okay we register the the statistic and then whatever they skip it whatnot i think that it's really interesting how much content we consume now you know compared to, to previously so i think now you know even even if you look at the way that we watch you know mainstream content um a two-hour film feels really long you know um and actually you're very used now to watching things in a 45 50 minute burst going making a drink me tea you coffee whatever it is that you want and then going back and watching another you know 45 minutes whatever so I think that that has changed, but I think it's the same on social content as well. I mean, just by way of experiment, the other day, um, my girlfriend loves a little bit of TikTok and she'll sit on a morning, even if it's just for 10 minutes and she'll have a little scroll through. There might be a little bit of a session on an evening after dinner. Um, and she's not on it a lot, but that's why I wanted to test this theory of, of somebody who isn't actually on it a lot, how much content they're really consuming on there. Um, and I spent, you can go onto your data and whatever else, and you can see how many videos you've watched. And basically... In a day, she'd watched about 680 videos, you know, and you're looking at that going, Whoa, that feels damn. like a ridiculous amount. But if you're sitting there just kind of, no, no, you're soon getting through them. Um, and, and that's the point. I think we're all so used now to literally having that much media thrown at us all the time that you try and create something that's a little bit more long form, even as a 10 or a 30 second high end piece. And people are just like, nah people's attention spans have completely gone. And I think that's a society change as well as just just an industry thing, really, or the way that we market products. There's a lot of adaptation that we're having to do. This basically goes back to like how the, the, the way we used to be advertised as a society was people would sit down in front of TV or computer and these would be platforms where they will throw the ads at you and you have to sit there and watch it because that's the that's the broadcasted program. It's not like you have the choice to choose what you're watching or anything like that. And then Netflix was one of like the first um, platforms that allowed uh, audiences to kind of choose what they watch, how long they watch it, what they want to watch. And now with TikTok, it's the power is so insanely easy. Like you said, it's like you could make like a 10 second piece that is amazing and someone can go like, eh. That decision is so fast now compared to what it used to be. And I feel like it's only getting faster. Like the second you said that she watched 680 videos in one day, I can I can see it just like just like this going through the videos. And one funny thing I've noticed with some reels, like as a filter, if it starts with music, it's usually an ad. If it starts without music, it's not an ad. It's like a regular, <laughs> it's a regular piece. Oh, that's good. Think about it. Like when you start watching, who who makes like a random video and decides to start with actual music unless it's like someone on their bike riding, you know, and they want something cool like to accompany what they're doing. But if it's like someone's like sitting down doing something and there's music that starts playing, like 
in the background. Like that's usually an ad. That's what I'm. Uh, that's a now. good catch, man. <laughs> that is a very good point. So no music in your next reel. That's that's yeah, the, yeah, I was gonna that's say. the trick. <laughs> it maybe is. Maybe that is the case. You know. Um, but so what we what we've had to do over here is you know we've got we've got BTV as as this more traditional production company by way of produces higher end you know more single 30 10 second pieces um as well as you know the corporate world of of things that we do and and that will always be there but the start of this year was incredibly quiet it's been the quietest period that not only I've known for my career but it's been echoed massively through the industry over here. Um, there's is it? How's the? What's the economic state in the UK right now? What do you mean? Sorry. Like, like I'm just trying to see if maybe it, it has to do with the 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 economy there. Like, well, the economy's you know, awful. <laughs> okay, so same same yeah. here. Um, how? I mean, it's yeah. always it's always awful. We've had good periods. Energy bills are through the roof. It's the worst that it's been in in years. You know, just everything. Energy bills are through the roof. Bills that used to be a hundred pounds are now four, four five hundred pounds a month. Um, you find that you've got the likes of you know, there's companies that are sadly going bump or being taken over all the time. Um, there's just the, this cost of living crisis essentially is what we're going through right now. Um, and because of that, so many people are tightening their belts. And sadly, you know, video for marketing and marketing as a whole is one of those easy overheads to cut fairly quickly and I always say that it's it's first cut sort of last um lasting you know reinstated essentially um and that is something that we've had to fight um you know the as I say that I think that a lot of I mean it depends on what side of the industry you're looking at right so broadcast and tv shows they're really quiet at the moment because a lot of people made shows and almost banked shows during covid um you know they made a lot more content during that period and because of that, they've kind of come out of it and actually they've already got content for two, three years already made. So you find that the broadcast side of things has been quite quiet. Um, from an advertising perspective, as I say, a lot of companies are sadly having to cut their, you know, cut their overheads and they're cutting staff and, and all the rest of that. Just because there's so many industries right now that are going through a really difficult time. Um, and because everything has just gone so expensive, um, doesn't matter whether it's su supplies and you're a building company or, you know, even whether it's what we do, you know, camera kit is up 35% in certain areas. There's just, there's just nothing that you can do about that. So because of that reason, we've had to, we, we sat there at the beginning of the year and the January wasn't too bad because we had a fallout of work from, you know, December. Um, but then the minute that February hit up until mid April, it's been a really challenging time of just no emails coming in, no phone calls happening, sitting there every day going, we're ready for these guys. Like, where is this work? You know, what's going on? Um, and we had to, we, we sort of sat there and said, what, what are we going to do? So what we decided to do was come up with a separate brand, um, which we called Dash. It's a Dash video, which is this con production company, which is this digital first, ultra fast video production team. And it was a package-based video solution for people um, who essentially need video on the regular to feed these, you know, voracious, hungry social media channels um, and digital channels. Now, it doesn't have to just be social media. It could be a company that needs to do a range of how-to videos, for example, um, or product explainers, or they want to recruit staff and they've got various roles that they want to put videos out for, um, you know, show homes and, and property companies that want to show people a little tour of a new development that they've been building. There's so many different uses and applications for this. So essentially what we came up with is a package-based solution, three price points, 
somebody can choose which price point works for them as a base. And then essentially we're looking for either a six or 12 month commitment whereby for that, um, for that fee, they get a certain amount of assets from us every single month. So it's either five, 10 or 15, depending on which package you choose. But it meant that essentially they're committed to us, which naturally gives us some guaranteed income of knowing what's coming through the door. It's no longer a project by project basis and we can plan ahead, but also it means that they're always going to have content fresh for their channels. Um, and it means that it can continually be refreshed and then not every month having to think of, oh, well, this is getting a little bit tired now. We, we need to do a recut of that. You know, it's automatically planned in every single month. Um, so this is a brand new sort of scheme, essentially, that, we're, that we've set up this company. It's only been going for about three weeks. We've had some fantastic feedback on the initial launch of that so far. Um, and, you know, hopefully that will get us in with some agencies um, that will commit to us. And there's a couple of ways we can do it, either as a direct client. So if you're, you know, just for conversation's sake, BMW, you might want to say, okay, well, we will commit to a Dash package for six months. But actually, certain clients might not want that commitment. And if that's the case, the marketing agency or a marketing agency can make that commitment to us. And then they can use us on different clients every month if they want to. So fine, if you want to put us out for that one, cool, no worries, we'll do that. Next month, actually, we, we want to use this month's quota for this client. Okay, I don't mind. You can do whatever you want with that. But essentially, it means that you've got constant flow of stuff from us coming in. Um, you can allocate it where we want, and we know that we're getting the work come through. But it was a way that I'm really trying to, to, to support the industry over here massively. So there's not much over here in the UK by way of communities, groups, um, that really sort of bring everybody together in the creative industry. There's not really many unions or anything like that. It's just that everybody's basically freelance and it's a free-for-all. And, you know, there might be a few community groups that people do it, but that's it. Everyone's after each other and that's just the way that it is. There's there's people that, of course, try. There's there's things like the BFI. There's, there's the APA, which is um, the Producers Association, and that's there for more production company level. But in terms of for filmmakers, boots on the ground people, the lack of support for people is something that really bothers me. And I've seen a lot of people through these difficult few months find that really hard because, of course, they're working from home. They're on their own. They don't know where to find the work because they're waiting for production companies to, to give it to them. Um, and they're not, you know, with respect, the best business people in the world to go out and understand how to get that work. So they're working for production companies because they're great creatives. So what we've decided to do is we would love to develop Dash as a platform and potentially through BTV as well, whereby the entire process becomes app-based. So for clients, they download the app, they essentially can choose their package, they sign up to it, and it's almost like having a gym membership. Every month it'll say, time to choose your options, time to choose your bits and bobs, time to book in your film dates, all of that works through the app. On the flip side of that, you're a member of crew who can become Dash approved or BTV approved. We've pre-approved you with understanding of your creative level, your skill set and interaction with people, but also your camera equipment and what you've got on hand. We will pre-agree rates that are almost like universal across the board. So you won't have a cameraman who's on £500 and another one who's on £1,000. It's a flat level for that role. And what will happen is that once you become approved, if a Dash or a BTV job comes in, bloop, it pops up on the app to that person, almost like an Uber driver would, 
job available in your area tomorrow, the, they can press on it. The brief is all on the app. They can see all the information. They can accept the job. And then basically off they go. They do that job, submit everything through the app back to us in terms of their mileage, any additional costs. They sign it off at various stages. They send the footage back through to us, um, either depending on file size, right? We transfer or on a drive and then job done. They get paid for that job and away they go. But what we see is that actually that becomes something that, you know, could potentially become a little bit of a paid service from crew. Now, we don't want that to be a lot, but we're saying that, you know, if you were able to become part of the Dash or the BTV portal for $9.99 a month, for example, not only are you giving yourself access to the jobs that we can bring in for you, we want to have different things on the app. So we want to have forums. We want to have mental health support where you can talk to somebody anonymously to help you with things. There's video podcasts, much like this one, where we've spoken to professionals, etc. It becomes this real portal and source of information for people in our industry and we'll bring everybody together as a community with events and awards and all sorts of things like that. And at the moment, there is nothing like that whatsoever being done. Um, and we think that that is the future for how we can get, you know, bring essentially production and crew all together under one roof um, and manage it with our sort of level of high standards that we expect from both parties, really. So I know I'm waffling on a little bit, but that's where I can see where we want to try and take production and move it away from everybody working siloed and individually and just not really knowing what progression there is for them. Yeah, I don't think anyone's done anything like that anywhere, to be honest. Like I... The, like there are some companies like here in Canada where they've had like a network of production companies and creatives that the like that basically would sign up for jobs or get reached out to for certain jobs but those are all unique and specific types of jobs whereas like you're trying to go with the more packaged kind of style for it um, at least like trying to standardize everything on the client side and standardizing everything from the um, uh, the the crew and supplier side and I think that's the only way really to potentially make it work. So I, I'm really curious if, if uh, to, to see how that goes, you know, like definitely let us know like how, how you progress in that. Yeah, for sure. I also like how you're looking at it from like the, you, you, you're trying to help out freelancers in a way. Cause I feel like that's a lot of times like what Carol and I do is like, we do have a roster of freelancers and we do like giving them work and whatnot. Cause it helps, it helps the, the, you know the community out and a bit, and, and you know. well, I mean, you know, in reality, you know, I've, I've, my, I had my first business when I was fifteen, um, and you know, I've been doing it ever since, and you know, various different things from photography to this, and I've always been a, a little bit of a trader and done little bits and bobs, you know, because that's just what I enjoy and it gives me a thrill. But what is that legacy that I can leave? And I think that if, if I mean, I'm God, I'm only young, right? But I mean, if there's something that I can be building towards, it, it's something like that where you're leaving something that's, you know, made the industry a better place to work essentially for people. Um, and I think there's some really big gaps in the UK for that kind of thing. I mean, I, it may well be different in the US and Canada. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, you guys tell me, I suppose, you know, what is, is there a standard? Is there, is there almost like communities or, or somewhere that you guys go for access to resource and things? There were some at one point, like there was a source like called Mandy.com that used to be decent, like in the early 2010s. 
um because i what do you, what do you mean through. by research what do you mean by research like trying to find freelancers you mean no so i mean well we have mandy over here for for finding up freelancers and stuff but i do find that it's quite a slow process and it's a bit old clunky a bit old-fashioned yeah it's, it's it's ancient yeah. which is why i think that this could be that next step and something that we want to try and change a little bit there but what i mean is in terms of like you know what are the unions like for you guys over there or if you need just just help with things or is there a, a way of standardizing pricing over there like how does it work we don't we don't really i mean like us in particular we don't use union we we have our roster of creatives that we've built through like a referral network and then that's that's basically how we've been able to find our crew members um so usually for example if like we over the years we've, we've just been connected to different people and then you know if that person's busy they'll connect us to other people and that's sort of sort of how our, our network has grown. like a spider web there is a pretty big um, producer facebook group uh, i think it's called i need a producer i need uh what is it i need i need a producer fixer this and yeah. that basically yeah it's it's like this one massive facebook group that a lot of people like go to for jobs and things like that yeah but we yeah for jobs like yeah that's usually how you can find some freelancers but for us in particular we've just been using a lot of referrals because i like again i like the industry is big but it's small at the same time it's a lot of word of mouth so you don't want to bring on someone that is a dud because it does like it could potentially kill your 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 job prospects with that particular client so we don't like to take risks like that sure um so yeah we don't have like a big resource in terms of finding freelancers there are ways to do it but we usually try to take the safe approach yeah no it's interesting it's just it's, it's interesting to know how the industries differ really i suppose over the pond and what you know and and the way that it works i mean i mean the other challenge that we have here i don't know if you guys have an issue with location where you are but but obviously, you know, you've got London, you know, down the bottom, obviously Birmingham in the middle, Manchester and, you know, Edinburgh, there's a few other hubs, et cetera, of production. But you will find that, you know, something like nine, I don't know, 80% of the work is in London. Like that's just the way that it is, um, you know, and, and around that, you know, sort of what's called the M25, the big sort of highway that literally circles London, right? And anything out of that, it's not good enough for people in London. So you find that actually they will just kind of keep everything internally and that's just their own ecosystem. And actually, that's the exact reason. That's just in every industry. And you find that that's why London is very much like its own country, yet alone its own city. Um, so, you know, we kind of find that we're trying to challenge that as well and trying to connect more people um, to be able to realise that actually there's potential across the country, you know, and there's some fantastic creatives everywhere. And that's why we're hoping that this platform can can really bring everybody together. I think we're we're kind of like that in Canada then we're it's sort of isolated. But cuz Canada's so big that's the there's, thing. There's right? there's a lot of different types of industry in Canada because of, because of how big of a country it is. So there's different like from what we've talked with a lot of different uh creatives in different provinces like the the types of clients and work and industry that they focus on in their regions is completely different to like what we would be doing here in Toronto, Canada or anything like that. The, it's funny that you mentioned like in terms of like building the community aspect, which is kind of like what we're in a way doing with uh, Creatives Grab Coffee as well. Interviewing all these different creatives in different provinces to kind of, you know, build like a network of people that, you know, they can some they can trust each other or at least reach out to, you know, uh, with confidence saying like, hey, like I was on the show, like uh, this is what I do, yada, yada, yada. Here's my episode if you want to get to know who I am. So... That I think like building community is like a is an essential thing in any 
in any part of the world, like for this industry, because I, I agree when you start, you start completely alone as a, as a creator or as a videographer or whatever, like there's, you don't know where to start. You don't know where to go. And then you just kind of get connected to some people. And then you just kind of start hopping from network to network to network, depending on your skill, depending on what you're trying to do. And there's no like one main resource to kind of look to and think like, all right, this is where I, this is where I can get like some solid advice. You know, it used to be YouTube when I started. I'm like, all right, what do I do? All right, all that's available is YouTube with random people creating video content and tutorials. This is this is how I'll begin. Like, <laughs> I'm sure it was something similar for you when you began, right, Jake? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's you never you never really know where where to go for information. Um, I think that all came from doing that free work initially for me. And and even rates, just things like that, you know, just just rates of of understanding how much I should charge for things. People don't like to dec disclose that information, so you know, trying to understand that. There's there's guide rate cards, but it's so hard I found in in advertising to understand actually what they are because a lot of those rates can't rate cards are for broadcast or they're for TV shows, you know, and it's it's a totally different game um, when working in advertising and actually therefore to try and find more accurate rate cards and things for that were like a real challenge. So that's just one example of why that sort of, you know, it's, it's so important to, to try and help people to understand this stuff from as early as possible within their careers. Otherwise they end up just shortchanging themselves and you know, that's not a positive thing for anybody really. Yeah. But I, I feel like when you get those like early jobs uh, with the lower rates, that's like kind of like the time to, to try things, to learn things, you know, like that's when you build your, like your first initial experience. Like I remember the very first videos we were creating or like the ones that we were creating was like $150 a video blanket, blanket rate. And that's all we were doing. But I found that like we were doing such random projects that we were able to kind of learn different things quickly rather than just, you know, it's like, all right, I'm going to start charging like a really expensive price right off the bat. You may not get as many jobs in the beginning, uh, and then you won't learn as quickly. I find like in the beginning, like you said, do free work, um, obviously to an extent or like really low rate work so that you can do a lot early on and you can learn quickly. That's, that's the best way to learn. Like do as much as you can, as fast as you can to learn. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and understanding different roles as well, you know, is so important. I think you get so many people who finish college or university and they're like, I want to be a director. And that's all they'll do. That's all they'll focus on. But actually understanding, you know, and starting with a runner, then operating and then working on a bit of production work and, and trying things that you would never even think that you may well enjoy is such an important part of that process. And, and valuing everybody's roles is only going to bring everybody together and, and for you to have a better overall understanding of the industry. Um, you know, and I think that's that's one of the ways that I think you find that people who do so will succeed. I think, you know, you find that people who don't, but almost become stubborn, you know, to, to, to that, I think as well as with free work as well, I think you find that, um, the amount of times that I will have the opportunity to give somebody some work experience and you'll speak to them, um, and they've never done anything before. And you'll say to them, okay, we've got a fantastic opportunity. We're shooting a car ad for two days and we've hired a private, you know, estate up in York or something over here. Um, and, and off we go. And the, the first question they'll ask is what's the rate? And it's like, you're looking at this all wrong guys. Like seriously, <laughs> you know, of course I will never. So, I mean, even with work experience, I don't not pay anybody. You know, I always think that if at the end of the day, they're putting the work in, 
it's a benefit to me and therefore you absolutely should be rewarded. And of course you will, yeah. but that can't be your first question. You know, you've got to have something else that you want to think about first. Um, and I think that that's just the way that people go into the industry is, is, is such a, it's just such a wrong approach from the get go. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of that and I find that a shame really. And I mean, one of the other things as well is I do a lot of talks in schools and these are only young, you know, children. Some of them are only 12, 13 and, um, even younger than that. And I can stand there and I can do an hour complete insight into how you use video. Here's all the different ways to use it, the different ways that brands use it. Start being clever about interactive video and using AR and I'll sort of give them all these inspirational bits of ways of thinking differently. Any questions, anybody? There's a few hands go up in the air. Yep, you. First question will be, how do I become famous? And you're just thinking, <laughs> oh man, this is just, this is so wrong. You know, where is the, where, where is the skill and the passion for doing something that you enjoy gone? And it's just, it's always going to be like that. It's only a small percentage of people that will see past the superficial and, and go deeper. Well, that's like a desire that people have had for decades. This is not something new in terms of like, I want to be famous, right? But the definition of famous has kind of changed in terms of like, what do uh, the younger generations consider to be a famous person? Where like back in the day, we used to think movie stars, that was the famous person. So everybody wanted to be a famous actor. Now no, everybody wants to be stars. a famous YouTuber or TikToker. Yeah, exactly. No, no, Those, social media. Oh, influencer. That's what they would yeah, all want to be. Or inf influencer. But, but I, I did hear that now like the top job that a lot of um, um, younger people say they want to be in the future is a YouTuber. That, that's like one of the highest like like uh, mentioned jo um, dream jobs that a lot of kids now kind of say, which is like, and that's such a broad term now especially as well it's like you know you could you can create a youtube channel about you know like fixing cars you know that that's a youtuber right there you could be i don't know like i don't know what there's so many like you see that's that's what i mean i can't even like think of one off the top of my head that easily i think you just sum it up to they just want to be popular right yeah that's that's it yeah movies, they want to be stars famous. movie stars are just popular people right exactly it's the sim symptom of society you know something wrong with society when people just want attention it, 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 attention is the currency yeah you gotta love your kids people love your kids give them attention love, <laughs> yeah ex exactly that's what it is <laughs> hug your kids god damn it yes it's, it's, it is a real shame when the currency is is likes and shares on something rather than actually making a difference and i think you know that has changed massive i think obviously that's just social media as a whole i think which has, has made us all feel that way and you know i think instagram as well has a lot to play for for people feeling down about things essentially unless they're as popular as that person or whatever it might be you know it's at the end of the day the fact that people are continually comparing your behind the scenes with other people's highlights and those highlights aren't even real highlights you know naturally that is going to have some effect on the way that people you know want to get on in life and the things that they aim to have and, and the attention that they constantly crave and um I think, I think, I hope that a lot of people will grow out of that. We'll see, you know, um, I don't know because it does happen. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I wonder because like I see like a lot less of my friends posting about their personal lives. Like I can't even, I don't even know how people have the time to post about it, to be honest with you. Like I, I, I just go on these social media apps for like the reels and I just send them to like the same five, six people. Like I find something funny. 
send it to them and that's it that's the only reason i go on these apps anymore is just find funny stuff to send to my friends while i'm just taking a quick 10 minute break sorry it's because now our generation went from like posting about personal stuff to posting about their careers right i think we talked about this in one episode where like yeah when we were younger everyone was on facebook everyone was on facebook posting this 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 and this and then everyone got jobs and they got their careers so now everybody kind of migrated to linkedin so on LinkedIn, that's the business world. So everyone's going to be posting about the business side of things. And if you look at any of like other people within our network who is in video production, what do they post on social media? Behind the scenes, on set, the, uh, some of the work that they do and everything like that. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that, Jake. We you know like everyone's kind of sharing their behind the scenes or the best projects that, they, that they're, they're kind of doing. It's like, okay, that is like the best project, but we all know that there's at least another for that one ad you did. There was another ten talking head interview videos that. Well, you they're did just that. doing marketing, Kirill. It's like <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, know. I mean, like a lot of the time, like you know what, though, Kirill, like a lot of the times we're we have freelancers on our on our socials that we follow, and yeah, they're marketing themselves on what they do, and that's good yeah. because that's the only that's the only way I'll remember them, right? So it's true. Um, but in terms of personal, I think it's I think it's gone down. I don't. Know. It's gone. I think down. it's just I think it's just boomers that do it now. They just post on Facebook and then... Yeah, no, I agree. I, I really do. And I hope there's a shift, actually, in terms of, you know, bringing it back to video content, the fact that, that you know, there'll be so much user-generated, you know, stuff that actually making something that's a bit more high-end and glossy is actually, oh, that's that's nice. That's standout. I want to do one of those, you know, and hopefully that, and that comes back and we might end up being the fact that that then becomes really popular. I don't know if it's just a wave that we've got to keep riding, but I think that... All we can do as an industry is just be more flexible than ever and just embrace these platforms. You know, if they're hot right now, absolutely make content for them, like is what a lot of the brands are saying. And if that's the case, like, you know, you've got to get involved. Um, you know, I think it's um, going to be interesting what happens over the next few years. And if it continues down sort of this path of this, quick fast organic content or if actually it does flip and and actually people go now we've had enough of that let's just do something really nice and stand out from everybody else hopefully it's like a cycle we're gonna get to the point where it's 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 such short content it's it's just gonna go to photos back to photos yeah video dies just back to photos <laughs> <laughs> yeah all the way through <laughs> 60 seconds 30 seconds 15 10 5 3 1 second content <laughs> look the biggest benefit guys that we have in our industry is that our audiences will get a bored will get bored eventually with whatever they're watching and it'll the trends will just keep changing they'll keep shifting and whether they go back to photo for a bit they come back to video or long form video back to short form video like you said, Jake, you have to be flexible. You have to go with uh, what audiences are watching or wanting to watch. And then that's how you will survive as a business and as a creative. <laughs> you know, one positive thing that's happened is that uh, a lot of the B2C content type of content is also being applied to B2B type of content. So yeah. you no longer need to make like a five minute company profile video because no one used to watch those back then. And now finally... A lot of the marketers there understand that, okay, why waste the time? So they're trying to make fun uh, corporate content, which which is good. I think that's probably been the most positive change. Because now when we talk to clients, we, they ask, uh, we always ask, like, how long do you want it to be? And whenever they tell us, like, minute and a half, two minutes, I'm like, that's already too long. You should already just be thinking 60 seconds or shorter. And makes the content more fun for us to make and makes it more marketable for them. 
And I think it's more of a challenging creative process when you've only got a limited amount of time, you know. Yeah. That's the whole point. You know, 30 seconds is hard to make the message across in that time or 60 seconds, you know, five minutes when anybody can sit there and waffle about things. Um, and that's that's the challenge, I think, is is to keep that concise. Um, something we're trying to do a little bit more with B2B stuff that we do. So we've got a lot of, you know, just factory clients and, and industrial, you know, people. Um, and essentially, we're trying to approach their work very much like consumer content. So... You know, for example, we had this battery company, Acceleron, who came to us and we had a creative meeting with them. They plonked this big battery on the table in front of us and started reeling off all of these figures about why it's the most sustainable battery in the world. And we're going, well, that's great, guys, but who are you? You know, and their story about how they met and their characters was so captivating and it was so much different, you know, it was so different compared to anything else I'd heard. And it was literally like, guys, this is your film right here. Like, this story is just totally out there and different and it literally is the formation of who you are and I think a lot of people struggle to to sort of like define or 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 be true to who they are a lot of the time I think they try to gloss over it or be bigger than they want to be or or whatever else when actually they're they're interested in themselves so trying to captivate that is really interesting Um, and it's something that we see a lot in B2B where people try and be very serious very corporate and it's a case of right strip that back Let's focus on this people-driven Just get real. Here. Yeah, exactly. Just get real, stick to your truths, and just have fun and stop this pretense that, that is surrounding what you're trying to do right now. Um, and the people that we've done that for have seen fantastic results. So that would be my one piece of advice if anybody's listening. Uh, Jake, you got to head out in three minutes. So we'll just end off with uh, how did you come up with the name BTV and what does it stand for? So, yeah, BTV has been through various different involvements throughout its years. Um, It actually started because I started as a freelancer and obviously my last name was Barrett. So the, you know, but the Barrett Film Company was the first name that was started out. Um, Then that shortened down to Barrett Film Co. Then that shortened down to Barrett. And then it was a case of actually we're no bigger than it being just me and whatever else. So this is a team effort right now. We, you know, one of our one of the clients that we work with is Fox Sports. Um, so when they come over to the UK, they they will use us for um, you know their essentially their sporting content um, and broadcast stuff, and we'll provide crews to them. And we said we want a name that feels like it works on a stage with those kinds of brands. So. Over here, you know, we've got ITV, we've got the BBC, you know, so BTV was something that we said essentially we can strip it down even further to just BTV, um, you know, which necessarily just stands for Barrett Television. But there's other things that we've got in the works of whether it's, you know, the fact that we're the people behind the vision and that's what BTV stands for. There's there's various different terms that, again, if I was trying to to build some, some mystical story around it, it could be something like that, but there is no other anything other than the fact that it's just continuing to get shorter and shorter and I don't think we can get any smaller now so I think we'll be staying where we are <laughs> but the funny thing is the first time I heard your your company name I don't know why it first went to did Dario reach out to British television was that <laughs> <laughs> well that's very good to hear I'd like to think so anyway <laughs> it, it sounded very like like 
like it was like like you said like one of those BBC type network ones and I'm like is this one of is this one of those the big ones over there like like I, not to say that you're not big like okay like we're getting there <laughs> we're in our infancy we will be one day you guys <laughs> you guys are definitely getting there in three years like um, having only been around for three years it's really impressive what you guys have done lovely now I really appreciate that thank you and um, if you're on this podcast you're one of the big ones in your city so hey well <laughs> yeah. that's good. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Because otherwise I won't be able to find you. So <laughs> that's yeah, how I yeah, found you. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yes. <laughs> cool. Well, Jake, thanks again for joining us on the show. You know, if you're ever uh, on your way over to Canada or Toronto specifically, let us know. We'll grab a beer. Love to. Yeah, that's good. Now, thank you very much. And um, yeah, look forward to, to seeing how this turns out. And obviously more episodes in the future. For sure. For sure. All right. All right. Thank you, Jake. Thanks, Cheers, Jake. guys. Thanks a lot. Take care.